Welcome to Millennial Pekin Podcast, the podcast that's bringing a voice to the growing number of millennial Pekins in our brand of witchcraft, magic, and worship. We're your hosts, Autumn Wolf and Jarrah Stone. And in studio, we actually have a, a repeat offender. Back by popular demand. Yes. Nama is back with us. Yo, what's up? <laughs> so yeah. So how's, uh, how's everybody doing this week? Oh my God. My life is amazing. Yay. Yay. It's always good to hear. It's organized chaos. How about you, Autumn? I kind of had a shitty week, but it's getting better. Yay. That's good. Nothing that isn't unfixable. I I had an interview for a new job on Friday. Yay! So I haven't heard yet, but they said they will let me know by the end of this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you know know, when you walk into some place and it either feels like it's going to be a great place to work or it's Mm going to be a soul-sucking mess? Yeah. I walked into that place and it was literally like... The heavens opened up and the angels were singing and and there was awesomeness all around. Out of tuna. And well, I mean, and the cool thing was the the receptionist. It was her birthday, Ooh. and the big wigs of the company were actually bringing her a cake. Aww. Wow. I was like, okay. And then like learning more about the company, I'm like, okay, this is the company that actually cares. They're they're a software company for small businesses, mm-hmm. mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I'm like, okay. I can I can definitely see myself working here, so I'm I, I did a little did a little magic before the interview mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully do you want make it? it. I do, then I it do will be. I do want it. So then it will be. Yeah, unless something better is being pushed your way. That is true. Mm-hmm. That is Believe, true. act as though the thing in question is real and it will become infallibly real. Yep. Yeah. By the thought. Yeah. And then, true. And then also uh, last night, uh, sunshine. Uh, we had a uh, Halloween party. Yeah, you had some place. pretty awesome pictures on Insta. Yes, I was. I was Bellatrix Lestrange. That is the best costume idea. <laughs> I love it. I was like, I, I'm Bellatrix's little brother. <laughs> but it, it was it was pretty nice. And actually, uh, I I kind of decided to read tarot. Yeah, there. I saw your table. That looked yeah. really cool. And had it, that been the first time you'd ever done it before? The first time in a very long time. Okay. I, I used to I used to read tarot a lot years ago, mm. and I just stopped. And last night was kind of kind of an opportunity. Sunshine was like, "Do you want to do you want to read tarot? I'm not going to force you to do it, but we're going to have a little table. we because it was kind of Alice in Wonderland Wonderland themed. Wonderland <laughs> Wonderland themed. Uh, so it was. Uh, caterpillar's cozy corner and we had a couple of hookahs set up oh fun and i miss hookah oh i I bought a nice hookah for it too so none of them are in this room usually his hookahs are in this room so i'm like there's none in the room to just point at there there, there's one it's back there it's my it's my ancient one yeah i see yeah but the other two are still over uh over at sunshine so how did it feel to read tarot after a long break it definitely opened up It, it it opened me up a little bit more i i didn't feel very uh what's the word very confident at first but after doing a couple of readings i kind of really got into the flow of it mm-hmm. and i i, I kind of read a little bit different than 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 book tarot readers i should freaking hope so yeah <laughs> Who wants somebody who reads straight out of a book and then mm-hmm. they're like, "What does that card mean? I don't know. Let me flip to that page." Yeah, no, I like because uh, I I started just laying cards out and let the cards tell me a story, mm-hmm. and yep. a lot of people were like, Are, "Did you talk to somebody before this?" I was like, <laughs> no, I'm like, okay, so I'm actually thinking that's going to be a, a, a route that I'm going to start taking a little bit more seriously. What kind of deck is it? Uh, it was a Reader White deck. Yay! Rider Wade is my like homeboy. 
Mm-hmm. I had Rider Waite for 19 years. Do you want... Um, I had a book uh, gifted to me by Christina that I have not touched yet that's about tarot. Do you? Would you like to borrow it and or have it? I It's no. a card a day. So no. Just... I, I have I have a little book. Okay. It, it's literally... The, yeah, this is huge. Yeah, the, the, this is like the beginner's guide to tarot. Mm-hmm. And it just has basic meanings behind every card mm-hmm. and minor history behind it, a couple of spreads. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel that as as the night progressed, I felt a lot more in tune with what what was coming from the brain to the mouth, mm-hmm. just letting it fall out. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of a little bit more what what I need to do. Okay. With it. Yeah. So. I'm just offering because I have it. Oh, yeah. Sitting on the desk or shelf. <laughs> anyway, I actually had something very eerily witchy happen to me as well this Ooh, week. Ooh, tell, tell, yeah. tell. want to know. Um, I read my horoscope religiously every morning that I go to work as a way to try and wake up my brain. Like forcing myself to read something on my screen wakes me up enough that I can actually go about the rest of my morning. It kind of gets the eyes working and stuff. So I was reading my horoscope on Thursday. And Thursday I also had basic intro to being a security guard training. The state of Arizona likes us to spend eight hours of every two years and $72 of our own personal funds to maintain our jobs. It's nice. Really, <laughs> really great. And um, my horoscope for that day was reading about you're going to have a lot to think about, about your future and your current trajectory. Mars is in your blood, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'm going to training. I'm not going to think about anything. I'm going to be zoned Wait, out Wait, what's all day. your sign? I'm an Aquarius. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I'm sitting in this training class and the first trainer who walks in is a essentially a higher up guard for the company and he comes in and he's like, I'm going to start your class. I'm going to go over these few things and we're going to have fun. It's going to be great. And then I'm going to go and then somebody else is going to take over your class. Yes, I'm flying. I'm doing hand flying She's motions. flapping her hands. It's <laughs> yes. really cute. And so he starts the class off, and I realize that this specific class is the intro class that I had in the state of Arizona, in the state of Atlanta, in the state of Atlanta, <laughs> the state of Georgia, where they don't have any state requirements as far as to be a security guard. And the company itself, well, you have to be a certain age, you have to have a driver's <laughs> license, you can't be a felon. She gives me this face like they don't make you do anything. Like, my 12-year-old can go get a job? What? No. I don't want him as a security guard. He doesn't observe and report. No, or He talks or and talks and talks and doesn't deter anything. Anyway, go on. I have a statistic for you, actually. 97% of crimes that uh, you don't know happen, you deterred. Or you deter 97% of crimes that... I don't know. It's something like that. Is it like Schrodinger's crime? I don't understand. Yes. It happened, but you don't know what happened because so, you didn't it, it, it. It's just, yeah. it's just like just being there. You're yes. deterring the crime. Ah. You're deterred by being alive and in places <laughs> and not having had a shower. Anyway, yeah. go on. Yes, so what happened? <laughs> so I'm sitting there. This guy's having a blast. He's teaching it exactly the way that I was taught it in Atlanta, where they require you to go for five days of unpaid training, where somebody talks to you, and I sit there and I go. 
Ah, criminal justice 101. Thank you. (laughs) So he's doing it again. He's having a great time. I'm amused with myself and the little new hires are all like drooling like, oh, this is great. And then other dude comes in and he pulls up the PowerPoints. I'm like, oh, no, it's the same PowerPoint I've seen a billion times. It's company stuff. And um, what what do I usually call it? Uh, Not big data, but... uh, Buzzword bingo. Oh, uh, yeah. Buzzword bingo. Buzzword bingo. What's the buzzword for your company? Pick one. You have one. I'm sure you do. Oh, God. So it's uh, buzzword bingo. If you had a bingo sheet of all the buzzwords from your company, I just, I would have won. I, I believe you. Yes. So he's going through the PowerPoints. The problem is, is that he's skipping like five PowerPoints, stopping on one, going, write that down. That's part of the test. And then starts going through them again. And I'm like, uh, how about we talk about active shooters? How about we talk about all this important stuff that gives you kind of a company culture and a basic understanding of what the hell you're signing up for if you're a new hire? No? Okay. <laughs> and what annoyed me was he would stop at this power on the slide, tell us to write it down. He wouldn't even read what we're writing down out loud. Wow. I would turn to look at him when everyone's done. And he's looking at his phone. Uh-huh. I'm and sure I, you felt secure. Oh, I was um, flames coming out of my eyes because that's kind of the moment when I remembered the first time I went through this training in Atlanta that I went, I would love to have that job. Love it. I love teaching. I love everything about teaching. I actually really love private security. I know some people think I'm crazy about that, but I actually really do. I love the private sector of security. It's just fascinating to me. It's a great thing thing that we have that companies do and anyway so i'm watching this kid just phone literally phone in this thing that i would be like having a blast doing and people would have fun watching me be a nerd and nerding out about this Mm -hmm. and um yeah i was just i was very grumpy and then when i got home i went oh that's what my horoscope was about I need to go that direction and not the other direction that I was thinking I was going. So now I get to have that conversation with my boss of, so how do I become a trainer? That's so funny. That was all of me last week and the week before. Hmm. I, uh, Mars I work, is doing I, I don't, funny things to people. I don't know why the planets have been playing the games that they play. I am a little grain of sand. I don't ask questions. But um, <laughs> I recently... On top of my normal job and my normal job duties, I've also now become part of the communications team for the national LGBTQ employee resource group of my company, Coast to Coast. Nice. So I'm writing all of the newsletter content. I'm maintaining the website for Mm -hmm. our group. And um, anytime there's an invitation, a flyer, any kind of communication, I'm writing that as well. And it's madness to me because it was something I bitched about a year ago. To my fiance when I first met him, and I'm like, I just want to work from home full time, and I just want to write for a living and have fun and be creative. And then I just went back to my like regularly scheduled program and didn't think much of it. And now I'm actually being transitioned towards that because now I work from home three days a week, mm-hmm. and I'm going this direction. They're paying to fly me out to Hotlanta yeah. at the end of the month for a one day turnaround for a big meeting that we're having for 2019 to plan out every single event and all of the LGBTQ initiatives and on and on. And I've never been paid to fly for work before to travel for work. So it's like huge deal for me. Wow. That's so exciting. Um, it is exciting. It's so green. Super green. Atlanta. Nobody calls it hot Atlanta. It's just green. 
It's called green? No, it's green there when you get there. It's very green. As in there's rain there. As in there's trees. As in it's the opposite of Arizona. Yes. Oh. Well, I was thinking it was like a fifth element reference. Never mind. Anyway. No. Hmm. At oh. least you took it that way and not tried to been like, oh, you mean they're environmentally friendly? No. I didn't think that they would be. No. I've heard things. Yeah. But I'm excited. Stuff. Yeah. You should be excited, though. <laughs> I'm a little sad you only get to go one day for one day, so I can't be like, go to the world of Coke. Yeah, but I hate Coke. I'm a Pepsi person. Yeah, I know. Go ahead. Give me the face. I love Pepsi. If I ever drink soda at all, it's going to be Pepsi or Cactus Cooler because it's a leftover from Cali. Yes. Oh, Cactus Cooler's God. good. Cactus Cooler. It is my favorite. It's, for those of you that don't know, it's an orange pineapple soda. Okay, well, whatever. It's it, like people it with Fago, like you don't it's, always it's, get it. It's citrus. It's really good. It's orange pineapple. It's just, it, it, it tastes, it's the bomb. It, it tastes like what the water from a cactus should taste like. <laughs> As opposed to a mouthful of owl. Exactly. <laughs> it's refreshing. It is. It's extreme. Well, more refreshing than Coca-Cola. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Ugh. No. Mm-mm. All soda is Coke. Well, well, at, at at least you're not trying the Beverly soda from the world of Coke. What is Beverly soda? It is the worst tasting soda on the place. Wait, it's actually called Beverly. It's actually called Beverly. Oh, if you go to any world of Coke, and they do like the little like the little tasting samples, mm-hmm. uh, if you get Beverly, drink that one last because oh God. it will it will. Well, either drink it last because it'll be the one the one thing you want to spit out your mouth really quick. <laughs> or, I've had boyfriends like that. Go on. <laughs> oh. Or drink it first so that way the rest of everything <laughs> covers the taste. Jeez. Is it like the soda that they make from the machines after they've cleaned out the Coke machine? Su- surprisingly, no. I, I, I guess I guess it's. Can you a... imagine it's runoff soda? <laughs> oh, oh, mystery soda. That's what Shasta is. Yeah. Did you know that? No. Shasta is what you get. In, from the soda factory after they make Fago. Mm-hmm. Okay. I learned that from a Michigander. I, yep. I don't drink that stuff. Anyway, you're not. What, what is but this Beverly beverage? So it, I, th- there's no way to really explain it. It's just really, really big in India. In India. In India. Of every from, country from, from on what earth. What I remember. So the last time I went to the world of Coke, apparently I was an evil person. I thought this ginger soda that was from, I believe it was somewhere in uh, Northwest Europe. And I thought it was fantastic. I adored it. I loved it. I took one sip of it and was like, this is great. And my mother-in-law and sister are like, really? I'm like, yeah, I think it's great. And then there was these tourists who came up behind them. And all of them took a swig at the same time. And these tourists literally thought I was the biggest jerk on the planet. <laughs> like, you are lying. Why would you do that? My <laughs> sister is just like, you are diabolical. Now I understand everything. Oh, that's and funny. I was just like, I, I didn't understand. People were telling me it was disgusting. And I was like, I think it's great. More for me. <laughs> so to be clear, I just Googled it. And yeah. the Beverly soda was manufactured as a non-alcoholic, French word, aperitif that was produced by the Coca-Cola company for the Italian market. Italian, introduced. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering, like, India? They got their own stuff. Yeah, no, no. Um, India. Introduced in 1969. Guess what flavor it is. Just guess. Pick a shitty s- flavor. <laughs> Saffron. Oh, good guess. No. It's, saffron is delicious in Saffron food. soda? Not Ew. Soda. Yeah. That's like yogurt soda. I'm Whoa. not going to go that way. Um, no, that's a thing. It's a Middle Eastern thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and by uh, like everyone but me drinks that. Um, okay. It's bitter citrus flavor. 
Bitter citrus. Bitter citrus. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like it's horrible. the rinds. Okay. That's what I want to be drinking. Mm, boy. Mm. Now, if you take the peels and you soak them in vodka and then mix them with simple syrup, you get limoncello. That's true. Or if you take the rinds and you soak them in oil, you get citrus oil. There we go. That's helpful. Oh, hey, guess what? So after we are done bullshitting our way through half of this episode, um, Nama is actually here for a reason. We're not just going to talk about bullshit. I am? I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, you reminded me. We have a small corrections corner. We're keeping that in. Oh, yeah. Nama totally just snorted. I did not. Okay, maybe a little. (laughs) So... It's kind of a corrections corner, kind of a clarification corner. It's a little bit of information for those of you who don't use oils. So we talked about last time Nama was here about um, some uh, 100% essential peppermint oil and using it with infants on their feet and having their pulling out their binky and having their breast smell like peppermint. Mm-hmm. Something very important for those of you who um, heard that and had no idea. Actually, please do not use essential oils on babies younger than three months old older than that you should probably still talk to your pediatrician and don't use 100 percent essential oils of any kind on your skin directly always use a carrier oil what's a carrier oil a carrier oil is going to be any oil that um is a neutral oil aka almond or olive or coconut or uh, for some people, grapeseed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually had a massage therapist in the mid to late 90s do a test on my skin. She's my godmother's sister. And she held my arm out and she put four different strips of the oil on my skin, on my arm, and just rubbed them each in. And whichever one went in the fastest mm-hmm. was my carrier oil. Um, for example, I can't do olive. It just sits on my skin. Coconut takes a lot longer to absorb. For me, almond is my oil. Oh. Everyone's a little bit different. It really is the the cellular makeup of your skin. But please, for God's sakes, people, check with your damn doctor. Honestly, yes. yeah. we are not authorities on shit. And, <laughs> e- and even just as less authority or maybe a little bit more knowledgeable, you, there are plenty of books and oh, internet books. on how to use and how to mix your oils for different uses, different yep. levels. But don't put 100% peppermint oil on your skin. You will burn your skin. Mm-hmm. Don't put 100% anything really you could have you can burn your skin i think the only real exception and this is in very small quantities is tea tree oil as a spot treatment for acne and that i mean tiny itty bitty smaller than a pea like like half a drop yeah after your dermatologist said go yes and make sure that you test it beforehand because if you put it on an open wound like um a pimple it if you have a reaction to it it will make the healing yeah it's not it's gonna take the healing a lot longer but there are also already pre-mixes for that of tea tree and other Mm -hmm. things oh yeah even cbd oil that's sold anywhere in the country is mixed mixed with Mm -hmm. coconut coconut is the carrier oil so, yo, we have Google. It's 2018. Get with the program. Yes. So please, please don't just take any podcast or anything's word for it <laughs> on these kind of things. We do say we're not doctors for a reason. But, um, yes, I think that's um, a good basic knowledge. And I'd say basic, underlined basic. If you are interested <clears throat> in oils, please do more research yes. than just us. Interesting segue, speaking of herbal books. Oh. Um, my godmother, who I love to pieces, who has lovingly agreed to be the facilitator of my wedding ceremony next Ooh. May, May the 4th, 
is our wedding day. Mm. Oh, score. Yeah, I'm doing a happy dance right now. She so my, my godmother, uh, she's the reason that I got and stayed uh, in Judaism because my parents were not the, the, the Jewish type. They were Jewish by food and politics. But <laughs> my godmother, who I love to pieces, is one of those people who, like, when we were little and we had to go to a birthday party and she would buy a gift for the birthday kid on mm-hmm. behalf of us, whoever that was, um, it was always a book. That was her deal. Like, kids get books, period. That's always the gift that you give. She didn't buy toys. She didn't buy dress up anything. Mm-hmm. She might occasionally buy a Barbie, but everything else was books. So I got into that habit from her. Going to the library was her thing. It became my thing. I became obsessed. I became a bibliophile. So fast forward now to two weeks ago. Um, she sent me this giant-ass package in the mail that I was not expecting. And I love getting packages in the mail that I'm not <laughs> expecting that are that are good packages. Let me clarify. Good packages, not packages of, like, dog doo-doo um, or bags of dicks because that's a funny package, but I don't want it. So she sent me this giant package, and it's full of books. And it's all these variety of books. Some of them are Kabbalah books. Some of them are how to practice keeping Shabbat. All of them are from the 60s and 70s, and the Ooh. art is like super like technicolor rainbow. It's like (laughs) ultra tacky. It's like you think some guy in a leisure suit is going to jump out of the book. It's really funny. (laughs) Um, But two of the books that struck me the most interesting, one of them is a huge, um, what do you call those art books that have like the, like it's like a photocopy of an original scroll. Like I can't, it's like a, like a lithograph. Is that what it is? Lithograph. Lithograph? Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like this giant book. I want to say, Y'all can't see my hands, can you? Um, no. Um, 18 by 15? Like yeah, it's that's huge. It's a large book. And it's all two, three, four hundred year old wedding contracts from Ooh. all over the world in Hebrew. Oh, wow. So there are the original lithographs in Hebrew with the original art and the dates and like the name of the bride and the groom. Mm. And they're all in Hebrew mm-hmm. with just very few exceptions. And what I find amazing about that book, just because I'm a huge history nerd, is I can look at one of those contracts and go, oh, my God, they signed the Declaration of Independence that year. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. holy crap, that was Queen Victoria's birthday. You know, and like to see the art and people just living their normal lives with these contracts is really neat for me. Um, but the other book that she sent that I found fabulous was a book on how to use our, um, herbs in your home. Ooh. And there's cooking, mm-hmm. which like Jews are obsessed with all the time because food. But also <laughs> there's like tinctures and oils and teas and like my, my super duper hippy dippy like Jewish godmother is like one of these like herbal witches. And I had no clue until she sent me this book. (laughs) And I really should have known because um, as you can tell, I have a very nice complexion. Like Mm -hmm. my complexion does not suck. And the reason for that is that when I was like five or six years old and I went running down the hill in our neighborhood with all the kids in my pretty princess dress and my brand new slippery shoes and went face first down the street like a skidding tire and my face ended up like road rash. At six, she picked me up and took me to her house and slapped aloe all over my face. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have this complexion. Yay, no Um, scars. But, like, I never put two and two together. Like, oh, she's an herbal witch. Well, damn. Oops. (laughs) So so I I got a question. I may have an answer. Okay, so since since you're getting married on May the 4th, can I come dress as Darth Vader? If you want to pay for a plane ticket... And a hotel room? Hell yeah, you can come. Did I mention we're getting married at a haunted Victorian hotel? 
know. Oh. I didn't even know you weren't getting married here. No. So backstory, <laughs> very, very short. Destination wedding. Oh, my God. It wasn't even meant to be that way, but I guess obviously it was meant to be that way. Um, his mom, who is a saint and a beautiful soul, and I love their family, and they're kind and wonderful and amazing, and they are Christ-like, not just Catholic. Um, his mom is afraid to fly. She has the the claustrophobia where, mm-hmm. you know, the small space and she has the fear of the planes and the whole shebang. So she'd rather oh, drive yeah, everywhere. Yeah. They would rather drive from Michigan to Florida where grandma lives than have to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. My mom, who is also dying um, and also very ill and can't fly, mm-hmm. I didn't want to try to make them navigate driving all the way to Phoenix. Like, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. So we pulled up a map of the U.S. and looked at what state was in the middle, and that was Oklahoma. And no offense, Oklahoma, I ain't getting married in you. So, <laughs> I mean, you're beautiful and flat and flat, beautiful, but also no. So the next place over was Arkansas. And oh. I had Googled something and had been looking for something in Sedona and found the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs that is a 150-year-old Victorian hotel that used to be a sanitarium uh-huh. and a women's college and has ghost tours and the taps people have oh, been wow. there and I'd actually been there 15 years ago and I'd forgotten about it Ooh. Um, on a business trip with my old boss so I was like yeah we should get married there and as soon as my fiance saw it he's like are you serious I'm like yeah and the wedding package is like super super reasonable Ooh, and almost wow. almost all inclusive so you want to show up as Darth Vader? Go for it. I am going to be encouraging everyone to cosplay um, nice. like Peaky Blinder style okay. for the guys. Um, like Anne of Green Gables, Mary Poppins ah. for the ladies. And big old fuck off hats with feathers and shit <laughs> yes. in them. And like walking canes and top hats. And like, Ooh. it's a Victorian hotel. We're getting married on the lawn. Like, might as well. Might as well, right? We, Tea time. And I'm not going to lie. I also did tell everyone they can wear their house colors. So I have several Slytherin sisters who are going to be in green. Yay. I have a couple Hufflepuffs that are going to wear yellow dresses. Oh, like, now, now, now I'm going to have to figure out how to, uh, how to get Hagrid to, uh, to be Victorian. Oh, easily Easy. done. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Easily done. I could see you in a waistcoat and a pocket watch. Ooh, ladies. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. I, I think we could make some that happen. pants. <laughs> and some of those, those Dracula blue glasses, you know what I mean? Like the little tiny brown blue ones <laughs> yes. that Gary Oldman wore in yeah. Dracula. <gasps> that was when I first fell in love with men with beards. Anyway, segue. <laughs> so, yay. that's how we got here that's somehow okay so you um we also chatted about talking (laughs) trying to segue (laughs) help me uh we also talked about um last time you were here Mm. that you do a lot of magic that is within the realm of the secret oh i do and like how to manifest more things in your life hashtag manifest like a mofo um so how do i do that oh god that requires its own whole show but um, well, we tried, but then we got way off topic for the past like thirty minutes. Ain't that the yeah, truth? Almost. Oh, oh I'm my sorry, lord! Guys. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. I hope you put your seatbelts on. Um, I manifest a lot. I have started um, that manifesting process at Samhain 2013. Ooh. Samhain is my anniversary for that. Um, I to to give a very sh- brief backstory. I was. Married, I had two kids. My littlest one was a year and a half. My oldest uh, was like seven and a half, almost eight. And I was obese and I was suicidal and I was depressed and I hated my life and I was disconnected from my kids and I hated my marriage and I hated my life. 
Um, and on Samhain 2013, I went and I stood outside in our nasty ass, weedy, raggedy, green pool backyard in Gilbert and sort of bemoaned my life. And my roommate at the time slash my ex-husband's girlfriend, because we had a poly marriage, um, she had lit the fire for us because mm-hmm. she's also pagan. Um, and she went and had done her thing. And then I went out to do mine. Um, and I stood there in front of the moon, in front of the fire. And I just kind of surrendered and I just said, I'm, I'm done. I don't know what else to do. You know, I, I had attempted suicide multiple times and the gods refused to cooperate and they're <laughs> no. like, fuck you. No, no, you get to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did die once and I got to come back and that was odd. But anyway, so I'm standing in this backyard in front of this fire looking at the moon and I just said, I can't do this anymore. And I distinctly heard like, AKA with my ears, not just, I heard, mm-hmm. I heard a collective voice say, what do you want? And I said, I just want to be happy. And I know looking back on it now, I heard somebody snicker, but I don't know who the hell it was. I'm assuming it was Loki because he's a motherfucker. Yeah, well, but that, you just yes. told him, okay. <laughs> I was not specific. Y'all need to be specific. Um, and then immediately after that, I, I looked at the moon and I heard them say, what will you sacrifice? And I was like, if you give me everything I've ever wanted... I promise to be brave. And that was the scariest thing I could have ever willingly said mm-hmm. out loud because I was I was a chicken shit. I was scared to live my life. I was scared to be independent. I was scared to manage my own money. I was scared to be responsible for myself or my kids or my reality. And as soon as I said, I will be brave, I heard like this ding, <laughs> granted. I was like, oh, fuck. It was like the Zoltar machine. I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And the very next day, I found uh, the Red Tent on Facebook. And it was an international, uh, the Red Tent Revival. It was an mm-hmm. international online event where everyone went onto that website at the same time across the planet, no matter where they were in their time zone. And we all practiced Red Tent together for three days. Um, and that's when manifesting changed my life because within, hmm, within eight months of that night, I had I had gone vegan. I had lost 50 pounds. I had gotten my own place. I had gotten a new car. I had gotten a promotion. Um, I had filed for divorce in an amicable way. Um, and I was living in my own home for the very first time in my life at 31 years old, 30, no, 33 years old, um, totally responsible for my money. And uh, everything that had ever gone well in my life came from those actions, from practicing the secret. It's it's nuts how powerful it is. Wow. So what is the secret? I know there's a book out and people can go buy the book and read it, but in your simple truth. Coupons. I'm kidding. Um, no, the secret is really simple. Um, actually, the Zoroastrians mm-hmm. actually have mapped it really beautifully, which is good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Because... If you keep your thoughts on the positive side, then that bleeds into your actions. Mm -hmm. If you keep your actions on the positive side, that bleeds into the natural repercussions of whatever it is that's going on in your reality. Um, Case in point, it's the dumbest example, but it literally happens to us every single day, which is you wake up. Maybe you didn't set yourself up with a nice evening ritual. Maybe you didn't do like your normal routine. Whatever the reason is, you're not exactly on time. And you wake up and the first thought in your head is going to dictate your whole damn day. And either it's going to be, all right, I am on time. Let's get this going. 
or it's I'm late. Fuck. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late. And then you hit every single red light. Bingo. I've had that happen. That is literally manifesting magic in its in its essence. Oh, wow. Now, magnify that to I'm going into Has anyone here ever had questionable gas station sushi? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, or that, something yeah. equivalent. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you go into a restaurant and you just the minute you walk in you take a whiff of the air and your stomach goes, "Fuck no." And you go and you eat anyway. And you're like, I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to get sick. Taco Bleh. Bell, y'all. And then you go throw up for like Taco Bell, precisely. <laughs> Taco Bell. Like, and then you go throw up for six hours. Like, mm-hmm. what you believe will be. Um, <laughs> I don't honestly know why it is this way. I gave up wanting to know why. But yeah, that's that's the secret is what you believe and what you think happens good bad or indifferent the that's the secret that's not the solution right that's not the step-by-step fuck Mm -hmm. no the step-by-step is like 25 steps but like that's the premise that's the table upon which we build everything else and set that table but the basic premise is like if you aren't thinking positive you are screwed you are late and you are vomiting (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i know yeah that's like i don't um label my week while it's going on so Mm. i had a rough week i'll be honest it was probably really shitty if i like listed all the things that went down but i didn't label it as such until it was done Mm. and uh, that way i got through it all and i was like okay i this is the next thing that needs to be done or this is the next thing that happened and now it's over and i move on and i don't let it go i'm having a shitty week all week it's like ah not another thing's gone wrong this week no i don't look at it that way it's like okay I have a solution for that problem. Moving on. Yep. That's exactly right. It's funny because when I first met my fiance, he's like an uber nerd. He is a left brain analytical former NASA contractor. It doesn't get any more left brain unless you're on the Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. So he's like the antithesis of me. He's not spiritual or what? I'm sorry. He wasn't until he met me. And (laughs) um, I started fucking with him when we would go places and I would get us parking spots. And he's like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, I pray to the parking goddess. He's like, what? And I'm like, well, you know, call her whatever you want. Like, call her breed, call her Athena, call her whatever. But like, I pray to Shekhinah. I'm like, oh, great and powerful parking goddess. And I shake my boobs. I'm like, please give and me a... I know. And then he's, he's staring at my boobs. <laughs> I'm trying to um, park woman. <laughs> I know. No, I'm the one driving. Oh, that's I'm the one worse, driving. Yeah. he's like, is the whole car moving or is it just me? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But inevitably, I would say the same sentence. Please give me a parking spot directly in front of the doors of this store right now. And within 30 seconds to 60 seconds, a spot would open. And I would get it and it would be mine. And sometimes I might have to wait two minutes, mm-hmm. but I would just basically get a, like, get a parking spot at least 90% of the time. And he's a statistician, so he loves statistics. I'm like, I dare you to track how often I'm wrong, how often this doesn't happen. He's like, I, I have. It's not often. I'm like, <laughs> I told you. It's, it's manifesting, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And if, if I had not begun to adopt that philosophy – I would never have had the courage to get divorced. I would never have had the courage to live by myself, even knowing like for the first two years I was in the red of my bank account almost all the time. Mm -hmm. Manifestation is real. It works. I've seen it happen. I'm trying to think. I have this story that I usually give. 
about manifesting that I'm really, really proud of, which is it involves a friend who I'm no longer in contact with, but we were up in Northern California. And if you've ever been to the Santa Rosa airport, you know that it's the size of a postage stamp. It's very small. Yeah. You ever been? Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful place. It is. It's great. But it's, the you know, building you, is like that. you got you got the the airport tire center and barbershop <laughs> all in one building. <laughs> they have one carousel. It's like the size of like. Oh, it's even smaller than Jackson Hole's airport. They have um, like three. Yeah, no. I think they have one, <laughs> one carousel. And like they use it for like a conveyor belt for like groceries. I don't know. It's tiny. <laughs> but it's there, you know. And we were up for a, a LARP convention to see friends and whatnot a couple of summers ago, three, four summers ago. And we were taking Allegiant. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to comment. But let me just say we were taking Allegiant. I don't take Allegiant anymore. Um, and we were there at the airport. I had gotten us a couple of snacks, some, you know, fresh fruit and stuff and some awesome like Sonoma County food. And we were sitting outside waiting for our flight. We were there really early. We were there at noon and our flight left at five. Okay. And all of a sudden he gets a text saying, congratulations, you have a hundred dollar credit on your flight. And then he got another one saying, congratulations, you get another hundred dollar credit on my flight. And I'm like, what is going on? He's like, I don't know. And then three seconds later, he gets another text. We're sorry, your flight's been canceled. Ah. <laughs> you can leave on the next one tomorrow morning, which was Monday, which mm-hmm. meant we would both miss work. And he looked at me and I looked at him. We were both chain smokers at the time. And we're both sucking on our cigarettes like angry drag queens at an empty show. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, we're so pissed. I love this image. It's true. Um, and I'm, and he looks at me and I look at him and he's, he was much more prone to anxiety at the time than I was. I kept it inside a lot more. And I knew it wasn't going to, ha- I knew it wasn't real. I, it was one of those moments where you, you have reality and you have the illusion and you mm-hmm. know it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, this is not going to happen. Absolutely not. We are leaving the Bay Area tonight at nine o'clock. And he went, you're absolutely right. And we didn't panic and we didn't freak. We just kept repeating the same sentence. We are leaving here at nine o'clock at night. We are leaving the Bay at nine o'clock at night over and over and over until it felt real in our bodies. And we went inside and I like flirted with a waiter at the only restaurant that exists in the airport. Um, And we sat in the back. I plugged in my laptop and went on Facebook and put out a call to our gamer network and said, we're stuck at the airport. And within 45 minutes, we had two plane tickets on United out of San Francisco to Phoenix that night. And we had a ride from Santa Rosa down to San Francisco for free. And we made it within an hour and a half to get to check in and security and get something to eat before we ever boarded the flight. And the flight boarded at 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. Whoa. Wow. And as soon as that popped up in my chat window, I went... Bam. Bam. <laughs> I was like, I did this. I was like, yup. <laughs> I yep. fucking said so, didn't I? He's like, damn, you're right. I'm like, dude, manifest like a mofo. And it's that kind of stuff. If you believe hard enough, it really does happen. And I'm going to put out a disclosure and a disclaimer right now before anybody writes angry letters to the editor. This is not a quick fix. This is not a solution to all the ills of reality. This is not a solution to why we have shitty politics in America. This is not a solution to racism or homophobia. Or if you just smile and believe everything's going to be great, then you won't get hassled by the cops. Like that, none of that's true. I'm not saying that that is in relation to manifestation magic, because the whole concept of manifestation magic is I can control me. 
Mm-hmm. I can control my life. I can control my energy. As soon as you step outside your door, you can't necessarily control anyone else's free will. Right. So that's my disclaimer. This is not the secret equals stopping an angry white cop. Like, that's not what this is about. Those are very, very strong realities that are co-created by all human beings on the planet. And those are things that we all collectively need to heal. This is just manifestation magic for each one of us. But it even works in relationships. Yeah. Also, side note, the editor, that's Jera. Send angry messages to Jack. No, I'm kidding. It's usually me, which is fine. Go ahead. I'm used to uh, escalated calls, and I've taken escalated calls, escalated letters, and I know exactly how to deal with them. Hang up. Not my issue. Not you know. Not my monkeys. Not my circus. This is what the guidelines are. Sorry if you feel that uh, that you're wrong. See, my job is to say, okay, um, this is what they can do for you. This is what they're willing to do for you. That's getting smaller by the second as you continue to argue with me. And there's the door. Yep. No, no. We're at the point where I'm pointing at the door now. There's the door. Okay, last time I'm going to say this before somebody in big blue and angry comes. Mm -hmm. And big blue and angry comes and I'm like, door. You had the option of door. All I have to say yeah. is that, that that in my realm of world, <laughs> before angry white cop shows up, is you had the door. And I will do everything in my power to make sure angry white cop's not angry racist white cop. That's a whole nother yeah. thing. I, it seem, And bo- what both of you are talking about is this very common tendency these days of people wanting to be angry for the sake of being angry mm-hmm. and and being aggressive towards others as a as a last resort for an inability to express what's going on with them. Yes. Yeah. And wanting to take that out on another party because they were never gifted those tools of self-expression. Uh, which I've had that so many times trying to break up a fight where I'm like, please talk to me. I cannot help you until you talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as the, the rage is engaged, like yep. the words evaporate. Yep. And it's just not... It's not reasonable. It's not a thing that can happen. And it's funny. The more that I use manifestation magic, secret magic, the less I am impacted by things like rage and anger. Yeah. It goes away. Mm -hmm. I agree. I see so much of like the drama. And right now my current job isn't a very important part of your life. I work now in healthcare, Mm -hmm. which means if you're angry, you definitely have a reason to be. I totally respect that. If I'm coming up to you and you're coming back at me in anger, you probably have a 100% right to be angry. Before, I worked in retail. <laughs> Less of that um, of me going, giving you that, okay, you have 100% right to be angry feels um, <laughs> were there at that point in time because it was like, okay, you have a choice to be here. When you're at a medical facility, a lot of the times you don't have a choice. You yeah. have a thing that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just... Even when you're in those situations, when you're already talking to a police officer or security guard, breathe in, breathe out. We can't help you until you tell us what's got, what you need help with. And that's the same with the gods. Hey, back to magic. They can't help you if they don't know why they need you need help. Well, and, and that's one of the difficulties that comes back around to using manifestation magic mm-hmm. is 
gods help you if you open your mouth and ask for something and you don't know exactly what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you just say, perfect example, I want a new car. I want a brand new car. I want a convertible. I want a red convertible and I want it to be brand new. You'll end up getting a Matchbox Hot Wheels car Mm -hmm. for your birthday because you weren't fucking specific. And because you were just in that moment of wanting something. So, you know, you want that hot guy. You want that hot girl. You want that relationship. You're not being specific. The gods are going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get exactly what you asked, asked for. Because mm-hmm. I've had a spell like that backfire in my face where okay. I was like, I, what I wanted was a relationship. What I was asking for was in that moment, hot passion. Woo, let's do it. <laughs> Romps in the dirt. A romp in the dirt happened. And you know what else happened? Nothing. Oh, I was, I was going to say probably ticks, but. No, no. Sand yeah, mites? No. no. Sandburns. Yeah. Luckily, it was on a mattress. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah. That's better. It was still a romp, but it was, <laughs> it, it was cleaner. I find that any any person who is using magic and using words for magic i was actually talking about this in the car yesterday when i was practicing my um hispotidus uh hispotidus is a greek uh word meaning prayer to your deity in your own language versus like the traditional greek the traditional hebrew the traditional gallic whatever so hispotidus is something anybody can do because they're just speaking their own tongue um and i was talking to god a couple of days ago and i was like you know words are magic in every possible sense of the word because Mm -hmm. Words are prayer, words are law, words are constitution, Mm -hmm. words are spells, words are love, and words are hate. So, yes, words matter. And, yes, it's extremely significant to be extremely freaking specific Mm -hmm. about what you're requiring. Because the thing I think a lot of people don't necessarily recognize in their magical practice until after, until the spell has, has snapped, is... Am I the person I need to be to receive the thing I just asked for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a living example. I was not ready to get all the shit I asked for in 2013. Mm-hmm. I had to be like broken and forged anew a la Odin. I'm rolling my eyes a lot right now. Yes. A la Odin in order to become the person that I needed to be to receive that amazing badass life. He's also a trickster. Dude. <laughs> Who else hangs upside down for how many? Nine days? With a spear in his rib. Dude. And then carves out an eye. I mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. No. Hangs out with wolves and ravens. Probably a trickster. Talks to them. Let's them tell him stories. <gasps> well, they get around. Um, not in that way. <laughs> but I mean, you know. But like words are power. And we don't use the best words when we speak to ourselves. We don't use the best words when we speak to each other. We don't use the best words when we plead to the gods. And it's very hard, I think, nowadays because we don't, as a pagan community, we don't have a bunch of elders mm-hmm. that are hanging out in an elder house mm-hmm. waiting for a line of people to come in and ask questions. Like, that's mm-hmm. what we would love to have. We don't have that. We have Google, mm-hmm. you know, and Google is never wrong. <clears throat> never? Ever. Oh. Always right. (laughs) Google's always right. So we don't have our elders giving us like feedback and giving us ideas and suggestions on the ways to talk to the gods and the ways to relate and the ways to talk to our spirit and the ways to be in our body. It's very hard to manifest the life that you want if you are disconnected from the neck down, Mm -hmm. if you don't know what's happening in your body. Um, I find that a lot in my work with my sons and my fiance and other men in my life. Like if they're going through an expression of something, 
they don't know to stop and touch base with their skin, with their organs, with their, with their tummy, with their legs and their, their back and their butt and their, their arms and their breathing. Like it doesn't occur to them to stop and go inward and go, wait, how do I feel in my body right now? (gasps) I think my stomach's upset. Why would my stomach be upset? Oh, probably because I'm feeling things. I should probably deal with those feelings. Like that's the precursor to manifestation magic. Mm -hmm. And if you're divorced from your body and you're all in your head, that shit's going to go south really fast because magic that is not involving your body is a waste of your breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I even find myself, you know, forgetting to check myself. You know, it, it's, it's very, especially when there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff. Because when I, when I first found out about, you know, my call center being shut down and all that, there mm-hmm. was a lot of, my mind was on everything else mm-hmm. except me. Oh yeah, that's why a lot of meditations start with a body scan. That's mm-hmm. absolutely right. You can't let go of what's going on in your brain if you don't know what's going on with your body. It's true. It is. Mm-hmm. And the body scan seems really cliche and it seems really like kindergarten, mm-hmm. but it's so true. Well, we forget about it. Yeah. These little kids are a little bit more aware. And I just read this amazing article about this parent who taught her daughter the actual words of her female anatomy. Mm-hmm. So when they were in a doctor's office, she was using real adult words to talk about why she was in pain so mm-hmm. that it was easier to diagnose a UTI. I remember that and, article. Yeah. And yeah. the doctor was just astonished, but also like uh, uh, mildly uncomfortable. <laughs> but when you know the words, of what is going on in your body and how you feel your body, and then you can put words behind those, you're a healthier person. And then you can pick out those oils that you need to use correctly. <laughs> big circle. Oh my god, that was a big circle. Big circle. That was a big old fat circle. <laughs> um, so to to piggyback on that, it's it's something that I found has become easier for me as an adult, especially after my 2013 change. I mean, I died in 2011 and came back, and that's a whole nother episode. But um, <laughs> dude, but going home is amazeballs, yeah. let me tell you. But after 2013 in my life changing and getting divorced, I discovered a lot of the latent gifts that the goddess gave me. Uh, my sight, my vision, um, my ability to conduit was, this sounds super dumb and cliche, it was tied to my physical form. Mm-hmm. I could not do it as well as I can if I wasn't feeling what was going on with me. For example, I'm going to play on what you were talking about when you were doing tarot. For me, it almost feels like I am a clenched muscle when I first get started. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, okay, here's this giant window and I'm supposed to look through it. I'm supposed to know what all this means. And I feel really tense. And then three, four readings in, you get the flow, air quotes. You yeah. get the the flow and suddenly it's flowing well what's flowing you unclenched your butthole like your spiritual butthole is relaxed now and so that energy is coming down the crown chakra straight through your spine into the sacral chakra into the earth and you are becoming conduit and then you become empty and then they talk and you become that channel and that's what us tarot readers us diviners are meant to do is be empty to hold the space for them to speak and to speak whatever the cards are telling us to speak and to not put our own ego or she go into it. But I didn't get that till after my 2013 apostrophe mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I didn't recognize 
how much garbage I was holding in my body, in my, mm. in my gut, in my, you know, physically and emotionally and mentally, like I was divorced from my body. I had no libido when I got divorced. And your sex drive is deeply connected to your capacity to work magic. Mm -hmm. And that's not in like a like creepy sexual way. It's just that is a seat of power for all humans, regardless of your gender or your sexual orientation or whatever. Like that's a seat of like that's an engine that revs up and gives you energy. I didn't have it. I was divorced from it. I was it was dead. And so the more I woke my body back up and I felt my own breathing and I could feel when my gut was really upset and I ate some ugly ass like gas station sushi again or something and like knew that that was a bad plan. The more I screwed up and kept falling down over things with my body, the better I got at talking to the gods, at reading tarot, at channeling for people. But you have to be able to to get into the self and to be in your skin. And that's hard for people because especially I find for, for men, it's, it's hard for them to allow themselves permission to be physical mm -hmm. in a soft, nonviolent, non-aggressive way to be physical in the body. What yeah. Do you, what do you think, Jara? No, that's, that's definitely true because I mean, it's kind of indoctrinated into us from, you know, history classes, from our own genetics, you know, where the, where the brutes, where the yeah. protectors, where the ones that fight for whatever we want. Yeah. And we're looking after everything else rather than ourselves. Yep. And that's, that's just something even, even thinking back on it, even from like second, third, fourth grade, it's the, Boys don't cry. Yep. Boys don't worry about themselves. They worry about whoever else is there with. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's a big, that is a big issue. Do you find that that impacts your capacity to work really strong magic? At times, yes. You know, there, there's times where I do feel like uh, if I'm if I'm not thinking about myself, my magic is not all there if i think about myself if i'm thinking about what's here what's what's inside mountains move oh yeah, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and i mean i i think that's kind of what i mean recently with with this whole with this whole closure mm -hmm. i mean i really started thinking about myself i started thinking about what am i going through what do i need mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden boom a day comes where they say hey we're closing down this site I've been looking for an excuse to get a new job. <laughs> and somebody's forcing you now. And and yeah, How and now coincidental. It's being oh. <laughs> Not. No. Nope. Yeah, no. That's but. that's where we say in my house, we say thoughts become things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the more you feel I, I found that like depression and anxiety for me, just me, people, just me, depression and anxiety for me had to do with me being divorced from my body, mm -hmm. uh, hating my body, thinking I was the mm -hmm. wrong size, I was the wrong shape, I was the wrong weight, I had the wrong face, the wrong hair, mm -hmm. the wrong this, the wrong that, you know. And and hating this vessel, and the more that I hated my vessel, like the shittier my life got. Mm -hmm. And it cracks me up because it's funny because when I went to Kohenet, the, the Kohenet Hebrew Priestess Institute in Connecticut last this past summer, one of the, the 13 pathways of the goddess that we talked about was the shrine keeper uh, priestess. And the shrine keeper priestess keeps the shrine. I know. Shocking. So 
we were directed to associate the shrine keeper priestess with us and to direct our thinking that the shrine is us, Mm -hmm. which was like revolutionary. I'm 37 and the thought never occurred to me. Like I'm a shrine. What the hell? Turns out there's multiple kinds of altars to build. Mm -hmm. And one of them is a shrine. It's a, it's an altar space where you enter and you are enveloped. For example, y'all can't see it, but this room that we're in recording this message because words are magic. We are literally crafting a co-created three-part spell Mm -hmm. in this space. This is a shrine. Mm-hmm. We've even got curtains for Christ's sake. Like <laughs> it's like all shrine like and like the holy of holies. Like it's got its decorative, you know, components that inspire the mind and the spirit to conjure ideas. Like this is a shrine. Mm-hmm. And when I stopped and went, "Oh fuck, my body is a shrine." I went, "Oh man, my shrine is like tore up. Mm-hmm. I need to fix this. Oh my god, what did I do?" And that's, it's shifted everything for me, making my body into shrine. Because then now I have to say no to all kinds of yummy food. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, if, if bodies are a shrine, then my shrine is to Buddha. Ooh. Ooh. There you go. All right. He got it. He got it. No, you know, that <laughs> struck a chord with me. The more that I hated my body, the less that I cared about what was going around me oh, yeah. and what people were doing to me. Isn't that amazing? I allowed people to take advantage of me and I allowed drama to be around me and surround my life. I cared about things that now I'm like, who cares? Like if somebody came up to me with the same kind of drama that I would have put so much energy into then, I would have been like, I'm I'm just going to divorce from it. I'm going to move away from it. Make sure it's out of where I, my space. And walk off that bridge and leave it (laughs) somebody else's bridge it's not mine to deal with and the more that i'm like i look at myself today yes i am a heavier person than i was then yes i want to go back and smack that girl and tell her you're not fat and i have this amazing (laughs) so say we all (laughs) i have this amazing family now here in arizona that um will tell me different body parts in positive ways like oh well your butt does look nice or your your thighs look good in those jeans or when you sit with posture good posture you make this look better but also your face sits better and you smile prettier and things like that and those kind of comments I wasn't used to growing up uh, there was more teasing in my house about bodies and more negativity oh yeah so when they tell me those things, it's kind of embarrassing for me because I'm like, I don't know how to take that kind of positivity towards my body. But at the same time, it's helping me grow. Oh, yeah. So if you're surrounding yourself with somebody who's calling you a moose, who's asking you where your antlers are. Unless if, you have a moose fetish, in which case we're not judging, but that's not the reference. Where are your antlers, proud? And, and, and I kind of find that funny that you're actually wearing a shirt that has a moose on it. I actually wah, wah. adore moose. I uh, adore yeah. moose, but yes, I, that was a nickname that um, really struck a chord are you with me. Fucking serious? Yes, one hundred percent. Gross. Not from who you're thinking, though. From a okay. different male member okay anyway but like people would say things like oh you have a large posterior not for your race and Uh i would be like uh and like those kind of negative comments Mm -hmm. that are meant to be taken lightly when you're 18 19 16 15 
a female of young age Mm -hmm. with low self-esteem because that is just how your hormones work right now. Yeah, it does not help you when you're 25, 26, 28. Well, and it also leads into the commoditization of the female body. Oh, yeah. And that's... But that was another another thing. That was what I was allowing to happen. Yeah. I was no longer an an important thing. I was no longer worth value because I did not see value within my body. And that's the the beauty part of, of... Beauty and awful of being a parent now of Mm -hmm. I'm a parent of a six and a 12 year old boy and I love parenting them. Although I often feel I am a shite parent. Like I love parenting them because I do things my parents never did. Mm -hmm. I actively tell them that they, um, you know, that they look handsome that day that, you know, they can dress themselves (laughs) and wear whatever they want. Mismatched socks, pants on inside out and backwards. Um, That's my, I draw the line at shirts with stains on them. Other than that, they can dress how they want. I tell them I like how they made their choices of their clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest son was having some body image issues when it came to his weight because our genetics, we tend, the men tend to hold weight in their midsection during mm-hmm. puberty. And they do that growth spurt thing where they do arms and legs, torso, arms and legs, torso, and their growth spurts are all wonky. Aww. And bless his heart, he's he's a Taurus, so he is ruled by his stomach anyway. Mm-hmm. And so everything is revolving <laughs> around food for him. And so I'm having to teach him this manifestation, both by modeling it, but also telling him, there is nothing wrong with you. You are right. Mm-hmm. Everything about you is right. Everything about you is correct. Everything about you is accurate. Everything about you is on time and in the exact perfect moment. What I want you to do is tell me when you're about to eat that thing that you're about to eat, are you loving yourself right now? And he'll go, no. And I'll be like, are you are you eating that because you know that that's what your body loves and will nourish you? Or are you eating it because you are actually thirsty and you're not recognizing that you're thirsty mm. and you're going to eat something instead? And he goes, yeah. And it's it's those little bits and pieces that teach him that he needs to love his body and his form. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes great magic. When you are confident in your shrine and you know your body is flawless no matter what size or shape it is mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. that's one thing off the checklist you don't have to deal with anymore when you're in the middle of the circle going fuck what was the name of that god what was the name of that god who am i invoking you know like i'm naked i feel uncomfortable yeah you don't have to worry about yeah. the uncomfort or the discomfort of being naked because now you can focus on what actually matters mm-hmm. it's 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 all cyclical or in the clothes that you picked or yeah. not costumed costumed yeah. So much your hair, about your, your makeup. Yeah. Are your nipples hard right now? Like whatever. Or maybe that's just me. Uh, I think it's the fan on your back. That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> on that lovely yeah. note, we're going to take a short break because none of us have water anymore. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both like trying not to go <laughs> on our straws. So Also true. Bye. All right, we are back after a very long first half of the the podcast. <laughs> we have determined that this will just be a double long episode. Yeah. Uh, happy Samhain. Happy yes. Samhain. Happy Samhain. Uh, so, Nama, I know uh, when we were talking a little bit earlier, yes. uh, you had mentioned uh, Red Tent. Yes. 
And being that I follow you on Facebook, we're friends on Facebook, yes. and uh, I know that you run uh, a red tent mm-hmm. uh, for people here in the Valley. Yes. What exactly is red tent? I love that question. Thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> anyway. And so, there's going to be one at Peg and Pride. I was just, mm-hmm. damn it, woman, you took my thunder. <laughs> Your boom. Thunder thief. Anyway. You and Thor in cahoots, Thunder Thief. Lightning and the thunder. And the thunder. Oh, damn it. Now I have Imagine Dragons in my head. Sweet. Ah, stinker. So, Red Tent. Yes, we are having one. I am hosting Red Tent at Phoenix Pagan Pride Festival, November 3rd, 2018, at Steel Indian School Park. Uh, please come. If you identify as a woman, you are welcome. Again, if you identify as a woman, you are welcome. Period. Period. End of story. So, um, what is Red Tent? So Red Tent, the, sh- the short, short version is Red Tent is an event that is held at people's homes, wherever, you know, whoever wants to host. It is a uh, monthly event that is held typically, quote unquote, typically on the new moon. There are mm-hmm. Red Tents that are held on the full moon. There are Red Tents that are held whenever the hell somebody has a free night. But typically, quote unquote, traditionally, women will host Red Tent on the new moon. And the premise behind it is that it is a space in a woman's home that is created. Sometimes it'll be at a, at a studio space or a rented space, but most of the time it'll be at a home. Uh, it's a safe space for all people who identify as women to be present and witnessed by other women to be in ceremony. We sit in a circle. We speak our truth. We talk about where we are emotionally and spiritually in our lives uh, we will discuss our bodies and our sexuality and what's going on with our menstruation and where we are in our cycle. We will talk about our highs and our lows. Um, and the main premise behind it is that, and, and statistics will demonstrate this, women don't actually talk as much as men do. Mm-hmm. Uh, men tend to monopolize conversation mm-hmm. in the working world, in the outer world of society. And the male voice is more often present in media and social media mm-hmm. and at, in business and in homes and in families. And so having a red tent space where women can be present and witnessed by other women and speak whatever's on their mind, I always remind all the women that show up that this may be the first time a woman is saying what's on her mind all day. This may be the first time she's expressing herself in a week or a month. It may have even been longer than that. Maybe she has had something to say and she hasn't been able to say it her whole life. So it's an open forum for women to speak one at a time while holding a signifier. Usually we call it a womb stick, um, but you don't have to have a womb to hold it because you have to identify as a woman. That's it. You don't have to be a womb owner. And it'll be a signifier that means I'm the one talking right now. And when that person is holding that womb stick, they have the floor. They can say whatever the hell they want. They can scream. They can stand up. They can dance. They can dance out how they're feeling. They can crawl on the ground. They can cry. They can bang the earth. They can scream at the top of their lungs. They can tear paper into tiny little pieces and throw it in the air. Um, whatever their expression is, is okay expression. And no one is allowed to speak. No one is allowed to talk over them, to fix them, to suggest, to heal, to interrupt in any way. The only things that we're permitted to do when someone is speaking is to say things like sister speaks for me or aho, which is a 
way of saying, I agree with you. Yes, I know it is a Native American statement. Yes, I know it has the masculine infinitive, not the feminine infinitive. However, I didn't create the red tent. This is just the phrasing that we use. There are other words. We can say, so it is. Whenever a sister says something that is very significant and she makes a declaration for herself, we say, so it is. And the whole premise is, is just to be seen and witnessed in what you're experiencing. And very, very importantly, to honor women who do have the capacity to bleed and to honor women's cycles, whether you are bleeding or not, whether you have the equipment to bleed or not. We all experience cycles and women tend to experience um, lunar cycles. Mm -hmm. Men tend to experience um, solar cycles. And I mean that in terms of men, gender, women, gender, not men, sex, women, sex. Although it is a fluid concept, please don't send angry letters to the editor. I am just one person. So, you know, that's, that's the notion is that we're honoring these cycles because we live in a world where we have blue synthetic light a lot. Mm -hmm. We are not in natural light most of our lives. We're in synthetic light. We're in a city full of synthetic noise. We're no longer connected to natural cycles, mm -hmm. lunar and solar cycles. As pagans, we know this. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to get and stay connected to that natural world, that natural light, that natural cycle. So Red Tent really helps with that. And mm -hmm. it's very empowering. And women who have cycle issues know that for definite sure. So um, historically, where yes. does it come from? The concept of a moon house or mm -hmm. a moon lodge or a moon tent is a universal concept that has been found by archaeologists and anthropologists across the planet in many, many cultures. Mm -hmm. Women have always segregated themselves to a separate place to be bleeding or to be in their dark time, whatever mm -hmm. that may be, even if you're not bleeding, you'll still have a downshift. It used to be in ancient history when we were still nomadic creatures that women often bled on the new moon. Mm -hmm. And the colloquial running theory is that women bled on the new moon because on the full moon, they were fertile. And so if they wanted to go find a mate in the middle of the night and have possibility of getting pregnant, when they were fertile, it was best to do it by the light of the full moon. So you could see where you're going. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, you know, sex in the middle of the night in the full moon is awesome. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but sex in general ought to be awesome anyway. But so historically, ancient peoples, women typically, quote, air quotes, bled on the new moon and were fertile on the full moon. And so there are just numerous instances across the planet where women would get together and, and segregate themselves and be alone and not have to be responsible for the men in their tribe. Mm -hmm. for three, four, five, six days. So Bye for yeah. yourselves. Oh, yeah. You're now, the other part of that is that there is a an author. Her name is Anita Diamond. Mm -hmm. uh, she is a Jewish author. She wrote a book many moons ago called The Red Tent. Mm -hmm. um, she is a prolific author. She's written many books. Please read more than just that. Um, they're fabulous books, very interesting stuff. And she wrote The Red Tent novel as what's called a midrash, Mm -hmm. So a midrash is a traditional Jewish retelling of a Torah story, filling in all the holes that are gone, that are missing, that are big old gaping holes. So for example, one of the big ones that always makes me laugh is Adam and Eve get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. And then they have two kids, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel and then basically is cast out of his family and is meant to go wander the world and goes to a place called Enoch. Uh, land of Nod, basically, mm -hmm. and finds a wife and gets married and has children. And they are the children of Cain, mm -hmm. which becomes vampire lore and whatever. And my first thought is, where the hell did his wife come from? Yeah. Lilith. 
Lilith was actually, according to mythology, she was Adam's first wife. Mm -hmm. She was also an eternal goddess that would cyclically return to that tribe every generation and have more children and then leave. She'd get pregnant and then leave. That's a whole nother podcast. But my point is, um, you know, so the, the Torah scholars would look at that myth and that, and that story and go, well, okay, he left and they were the only humans on earth, but where did his wife come from? Is that like, like, AKA a sh he married a sheep, he married a goat, he married a camel. What, what happened? Where did she come from? So Jewish Torah scholars will fill in those holes with something called Midrash. And they're making up their best estimated guess of what really happened. Mm -hmm. So Anita Diamond wrote the Red Tent for that purpose. And she didn't do it for like, I'm going to be a Torah scholar and this is going to be it. She just was like, well, wait a minute. Jacob has 12 sons. We don't ever find out how many daughters he has. Because mm -hmm. patriarchy. So the only daughter of Jacob that's ever mentioned in Torah is his daughter, Dina. And Dina's not even given her own voice in the Torah. She's she's a thing in the mm -hmm. story. She is raped. Well, she is pursued. She is raped. She is kidnapped. She is rescued. She is avenged. So she's a thing. She's she's a, a trophy. Mm -hmm. um, so Anita Diamond didn't like that. And she wrote a book about what actually happened to Dina mm -hmm. and what life was actually like being the daughter of Jacob, but really being the daughter of Rebecca and Leah mm -hmm. um, or Rachel and Leah. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Rachel and Leah. <laughs> Sorry. And it was like Rebecca's. Ra dad, Rebecca I don't was. Remember the, her in that one? She was grandma. Um, yeah. So that's what the Red Tent novel mm -hmm. comes from, and she called it the Red Tent because it was the place where they would go bleed. So imagine that, you know, blood, red, etc. It'd be a time when women would talk women, and it'd be the memories. It was a time where history is cultivated, mm -hmm. or or human story. I prefer prefer calling it rather than history or history, the human story mm -hmm. of of the tribe and the people and what happened would be told and kept mm -hmm. because there is no written text. There's no, there's no, you know, family tree at the front of a Bible for, for these nomadic people in tents somewhere mm -hmm. in the sand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the human story would be told and retold and crafted into memory. And also there is this notion in red tent space, whether it is a traditional Jewish red tent, which I have hosted and been part of, or whether it's a non-denominational red tent that my awesome friend Kelsey will host or whether it's any other kind of moon lodge event or, or sweat lodge ceremony or whatever, this notion that women have this innate capacity to store memory mm -hmm. and that we keep memory really well. We keep it in our mitochondria. We keep it in ourselves. And there's certain mm -hmm. things that will make us spontaneously cry for no reason. And we just feel like we are deeply tied to that moment, that experience, that emotion, that person, that family, that line. And in Red Tent Ceremony, we connect to that power of tethered generations mm -hmm. of women before us and the generations of women that will come after. So that's, that's the short version of Red Tent. I love that. It, it's, it's, Honestly, as a penis owner, mm -hmm. as a man, there's something so. I, I guess I guess the, the the best term is there's something so scary about women getting together by themselves. <laughs> Witchcraft. And, Witchcraft. Well, yeah, and and you know, being being a being a male in in the craft, you know, I've I've come a long way in even just the past five years mm -hmm. 
and just being able to see where I've been being in the Christian realm of things, being in the secular realm of things, and then now being in the Wiccan side of things and seeing how, yeah, the patriarchy has freaking screwed over women time and time again. Imagine that. And it's just, it's, it's horrible. And it's like, I, I mean, I, I know it really doesn't have that much of an effect in the world when I say, I'm sorry that I am a man. I'm sorry for what men did. Don't be. It totally, be better. It totally has an effect in the world. It does. It has an effect but, in my world. You just said it. It has mm-hmm. an effect in the world of every listener who's about to listen to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, there's something. It, it's just so wrong. I mean, especially with the way the world is today. I mean, look at that freaking Cheeto that's in the mm. in the White House. I'd rather not. No thanks. I mean, it, it, it. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but yeah, it's it's something that is there. Mm-hmm. It's true, and it is the forefront of what the patriarchy stands for. So, talking about the patriarchy and a little bit of sure. that pagan news that mm. I brought up earlier, is Red Tent a solution for the community of the pagan community's problems with the patriarchy? So, yes and no. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, firstly, I would steer away from any kind of thinking that there is a silver bullet. Mm -hmm. Um, That's very much like a Western philosophy is there has to be an answer. Mm -hmm. Just one answer, and that's it, and it's the silver bullet. And it's it's the Marty McFly and the DeLorean at at this exact hour. Like, no, there's there's no silver bullet. Mm Um, you know, we're not all going to solve the problem and suddenly our Polaroid picture comes back through. Like it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Um, but I know, um, I don't really believe I just know shit because that's what the goddess wants me to know. Um, I know that the red tent movement is extremely pivotal for women in so far as it is pivotal for them to know they're not alone Mm -hmm. as a woman who's lived with depression, anxiety, and suicide for most of my life, mm-hmm. um, Hashem, it's not been an issue for me for the last four years because of the changes I've made in my life. But um, for the first 32 years of it, roughly, I lived with it and it was my demon and it was my partner and it was always there on my side. Um, I, one of the biggest illusions of the depression, anxiety, suicide monster is you're alone. Mm-hmm. You will never, yep. ever find anyone who understands. You are alone. You're supposed to be alone. Nobody wants to help you. Nobody will understand. You're in a dark hole and nobody will throw you a rope. No one will throw you. There is no rope. You don't deserve mm-hmm. a rope. Even if there was a rope, you don't get to have one. But it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. So don't even think about it. No, don't even bother. Just sit and wallow in freakish misery. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of Red Tent is for women to sit in circle and cry the ugly cry mm-hmm. and have all these other women, I've, I've been in circles of up to 50 women where we all touch hands or elbows or however much room we have. And we will all make this energetic circuit and we feed it into the person who's having their emotion, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And they can go ahead and let it out and just bawl till the cows come mm. home. And no one says a word. You can hear a pin drop. And the whole point is for that woman to be held in that space without judgment without opinion, without fixing, and to know you're not alone. 
and to sit there and hear 25 other women say, sister speaks for me, sister speaks for me, sister speaks for me. I can't tell you how life-changing it was for me to go to Red Tent for the first time and have someone say, you know, I think I'm a horrible parent. My kids are probably all screwed up and, and I'm not good enough and I'm an awful human being and go, huh? Huh, wait, you think that too? Oh, I thought that was just me. And that's that's the beauty of Red Tent. And I think that that is the antidote to the patriarchy. I think the, the patriarchy is going to be torn down um, by a multi-tiered, multi-layered, full frontal and rear attack mm-hmm. from every side with many different antidotes. Part of it is Red Tent and collective groups that empower women to remember who we are. Together. Together. And to remember that we are a fucking team. We are not each other's enemies. Yes. We are a team. And that we are here to lift each other up. We are here to remind each other that whatever lies we were told outside in Babylon are lies. Mm-hmm. Um, but other parts of it are that Red Tent empowers women to remember that men are victims of the patriarchy too. Yes. Yeah. They are. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna code it and say, oh no, they they're participants. Fuck that. We're all participants in the patriarchy. We all benefit from the patriarchy mm-hmm. on some level. Mm-hmm. We have we have streets, we have sewers, we have the postal service. Those are all components of how the patriarchal system functions mm-hmm. because it's a capitalist economy and that's the way the Western world operates. So we all benefit from the patriarchy on some level, yeah. public transit. Like, that's how that is. But men are absolutely equal victims of the patriarchy. It's just in a totally different way. Yes. Oh, yeah, totally. And in the majority of it, they don't recognize nope. it. The majority of our male friends don't recognize where they're being hurt. And once they do, they do what Jared just did. They apologize to women and then they be better. They work on it and they tell other men and other men call them what words? Pussies. Yes. Thank you. That's a hell of a compliment to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that can take a pounding to quote Betty White. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's amazing to me because I, I was just thinking about the conflict in the Middle East lately because all my family lives there and I haven't seen them in about 15, 16 years, close to 20 years. And how I follow a lot of Jewish organizations on Facebook and a lot of Palestinian organizations. And I, I follow what's going on because I know I don't have an answer, but I want to see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you hear a lot of the older generation say is that, oh, the Palestinians hate Jews. The hatred is just generational. It's just fed to them like mother's milk. And my immediate thought is that's partly true, but that's the patriarchy feeding it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you have these, these little male children who are effectively being breastfed and nursed by their, their quote unquote mother. And then the patriarchy comes and injects that breast milk with poison Mm -hmm. and with separation. That's the first thing that the patriarchy does is it's, it forces male childs to separate themselves from their souls and their emotions so that they no longer feel when something is right and when something is wrong and they no longer feel. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have little male children who no longer feel, you can direct them and guide them towards being violent. Mm-hmm. And that is the first step in enculturating men into a patriarchal world is to cut them off from their emotions and therefore shun them the minute that they act like women who are emotional creatures. Mm-hmm. And that's an antidote to the patriarchy is to encourage men to feel shit. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I just have to say really quick. Mm. Uh, I know you guys can't see. Um, I'm tearing up. 
about this whole thing. And I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I am. It, five years ago, this, this wouldn't be me. I can I can say that right now. That's fantastic. There's a, an important thing I want to highlight. We're talking about war and violence. And, and saying that that's all negative aspects of the patriarchy. But guess what? You can be that feeling, sensitive, honest, yep. great man that is a feminist and still be a soldier. Yeah. You can still be a warrior. You're just fighting a different fight. Mr. Rogers is a perfect example of a loving, emotional, compassionate, strong man. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then there were other two in the Mimi, and I can't remember who they are. It was Mr. Rogers. And then who were the other two? Oh. Lynn manuel Miranda. Yes. Lynn manuel Miranda. Uh, 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 oh, let's make this a game. What other amazing, awesome... Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. Oh. Dude is not afraid to be pretty. He loves yeah, no. being pretty. Have you seen him defer to his wife when she is present? Yes. He treats her like an empress. She is his queen. She really yes. is. And it's gorgeous. Oh and you God. see the same thing with Ryan oh, Reynolds man. And, and Blake. Um, they Blake have, yeah. Yes. They have a very similar. He, they might tease the hell out of each other on Twitter. But the moment she's there, he's like Will Smith with Jada Pickett. Yep. Bam. Look mm-hmm. at this. This is my woman. Mm-hmm. She is awesome. Yeah. Throw down that carpet for her. Absolutely. I will walk behind her and I will walk beside her. And what's interesting is all of those men that we just named, Jason Momo, Ryan Reynolds, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, Will Smith, and the other one you just said, uh, Ryan Reynolds, those are all men who in film and media have played powerful men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They've played Aquaman. They've played superheroes. They've played power. Well, Deadpool is a whole nother an anti-hero and an, he's a something yeah but they, i mean they've played these powerful visceral strong violent or mm-hmm. ca- capacity for violent mm-hmm. men who on the inside are like this is killing me mm-hmm. this is hurting me to be like this all i really want is hello kitty and unicorns <laughs> and like peace on earth and clean oceans well, and d- or if you're d- walk- uh, if you're aquaman you just want to go yahoo <laughs> I just have to say that trailer where <laughs> Marina jumps out of the helicopter and the the fly the guy flying the helicopter is like what the he's like redheads and then jumps out <laughs> with her and it's like okay you get this goofball of a king of the ocean yeah. and that has always been Aquaman a yeah. goofball that's the king of the ocean who actually went underwater is as strong as Superman yeah oh absolutely absolutely so you get somebody who is canonically made fun of canonically hilarious a loving husband always been canonically loving husband great king to his people and emotional bringing bridges emotional mm-hmm. super strong well and so the ocean pagans know this ocean <laughs> is all emotion it's all intuition mm-hmm. it's plumbing the depths of the self it's the goddess selene and everything that she rules and the realm of half human half fish the mer creatures it's all about diving into your soul and aquaman is the king of that reality mm-hmm. and there's no one above him to tell him he's wrong Mm-hmm. So for him to be his true self and to be loving and emotional and intuitive, but is de facto correct. Well, all the men in our reality on land are stuck with a hierarchy that there's always a stronger man above them, mm-hmm. which in our case is Lord Commander Cheeto Face. So in this case, Lord Commander Cheeto Face is now the man at the top telling every other man below him how they must behave. Mm-hmm. 
And historically, the same thing happened when Henry VIII was king Mm -hmm. in England. He was the head of the nation. He was the head of the Anglican Church, which he founded. He became the epitome of, I am the head of the church, the head of the country, as you husbands should be the head of your families and your wives and your children. And as I lead, so shall you lead. And that historical repetition happened many, many times over history with other rulers. And so the patriarchy continues to self-perpetuate because these men are immediately enculturated to not feel the wrongness of it. Well, great historical, you're talking about Henry. Let's go back to that. Mm. He had two offspring. One of them made a mass genocide of her own people after growing up in that kind of fucked up reality. And the other one who wasn't as attached to it, wasn't constantly told, oh, well, you're the son I didn't have. I needed a son as my firstborn. You're not the best ruler possible. Mm -hmm. Was able to cultivate culture, decided on her own that I am going to be my own queen with no king on my arm. I was a badass at war and was capable of being masculine and feminine. Oh, yeah. The ruler of her own life and the ruler of her own country. And the yeah. longest ruler of, of England and the and the United Kingdom until Elizabeth II. Who was also another badass. Another badass. Yeah. True. Yes. But, I mean, again, it's it comes down to this, this multifaceted approach to smashing the patriarchy. We have pagans who I feel personally are a big component of smashing mm-hmm. the patriarchy because we're by, de- by default we're on the outside anyway. Yeah. We're not Christian. We're not Jewish, except me. We're not Muslim, generally, (laughs) unless you're Sufi. I don't know. Potato, tomato. But like, we're already on the outside. We're already seeing the big three and all the demons that they've dredged up in their sand history. And so we're already seeing that. And we're going, hmm, we know the goddess is real. I don't think this is going to work. And then on, on that front, we're able to work that magic. Although I will call it out and call out that elephant in the room and say, we still don't acknowledge and call out the the things that we need to in mm-hmm. the pagan community. We're not that perfect. Needs to. No, we're not. We're not perfect. We don't necessarily smash the patriarchy in everything we could do, mm-hmm. but we have that capacity and we're already on the outside being able to do that. But that's just one piece of it. Right. I mean, we could, we are also participating. Please go vote November 6th. Vote, 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 vote. But we are participating in our reality by voting. We are participating by going to work and agreeing to work according to the rules of our industry or not, or speaking up and saying, dude, don't speak to her that way. Mm -hmm. Dude, that's not acceptable. I'm watching you. Like, it's that kind of action that will make the the patriarchy crumble. Is it going to take another two generations? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it requires all of us being that hard ass about it for two generations straight before that kind of change will stay. We need to raise both genders better. All genders. All genders. All genders better. Doesn't matter what's on your birth certificate or on your kid's birth certificate. Raise them to respect everyone. Absolutely. And to respect themselves. Yes. If you raise a child to love and respect themselves, then they're not going to allow a guy to guilt them into sex after paying for dinner. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to allow a woman to emasculate them for crying at a movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's you raise children to love and respect themselves. And that stuff doesn't happen. But that means we have to do the work. We have to call out ourselves and stare in the mirror and do mirror work and go, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I don't believe this, but I love you, I love you. Until you finally start to believe Mm -hmm. it and you start to break. Mirror magic is hard. 
Mirror magic is very hard because you can't avoid your own reflection forever. Yep. It's yeah. very hard. But, you know, color yeah. culture is important. But in those next two generations, that school in South Carolina that couldn't figure out where they wanted to house the person who has a dual gender mm-hmm. assignment when they did an active shooter drill and therefore just left them out in the middle of nowhere, those kids in two generations are going to go out and no- go no. If we're going to do this, if this is part of our drill, they need to be safe as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I'll be happy about that day. But we got to work at it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, you brought up a good point about things that we aren't highlighting in the Pagan community. Mm. Um, some of the newest news out there in the Twitterverse of Pagan community stuff is a great article that I sadly have not gotten the chance to read fully other than skim. But that is um, So Long and Thanks for All the Abuse by Sarah Ann Lawless. It's on Pantheos. And it talks a lot about what kind of abuses females go through while in the pagan sphere. And I could definitely imagine that this also impacts our male pagan counterparts. When you're in community, you talked about a story yourself about how we're witnessing women who are guilted into sex and other acts because of well you're not really wicked if you don't do the great right consent (laughs) needs to be talked about people (laughs) and that means consent when you're high you're drunk you're whatever if you are in that kind of ritual space where that is allowed make sure that if you are facilitating somebody is sober to stop that kind of injustice the the topic of alcohol and consent is very slippery slope Mm -hmm. um I tend to I tend to be all or nothing and black and white about mm-hmm. it in terms of if you're going to have a Beltane ritual where everyone is drinking, then no one should be performing great rite. Mm-hmm. Or if y'all want to have great rite and want to fuck all over the lawn, great. Enjoy. Here's some blankets and some condoms. No alcohol. But like to have both creates a perfect Petri dish mm-hmm. for a lack of consent and for violation. So that's my general perspective on it. But yeah, I mean, the the pagan community, just like the Catholic Church lately, just like Mm -hmm. many different sections of Judaism all over the country and all over the world, everyone is starting to experience this outcry of survivors of sexual assault and sexual harassment that are no longer willing to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And it's become more and more prevalent. And I hate saying it because I kind of have a soft spot for the pagan community personally, because it was my home when I didn't want to be Jewish. Um, but there are males who, there are men in the pagan community that are there because they are predators. Yes. Yeah. They're not there because they genuinely believe in Caridwin or Athena or worship at the feet of Inanna or Bast. They are there because they have predation and all they are looking for is their next prey. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know it and we know it and it's this like unspoken culture of, yeah, I know that's the way Gary is and I'm just going to ignore it and just tell the other girls to stay away from him during ritual. Like, how is that acceptable? How about Gary's not allowed in ritual? Oh, imagine that. How about when Gary's told he's not allowed in this circle, you tell the other circles we didn't allow Gary for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Yep. And not only the other circles in the pagan community, the other places in the occult community. Oh, yeah. 
just because they're not pagan doesn't mean the spiritualists or the New Agers or anything else out there isn't going to find Gary. Gary's not going to find them walk in and go, well, the witches kicked me out and I'm a third level blah, 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 wizard of blah. <laughs> and it's usually the blah, 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 wizard of blah. Not if you're a blah, 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 wizard of blah. I'm sorry, but. I, think, you, you I think I followed what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> if, if there's any any guy out there that's listening that's name is Gary, just know it was a name that was just randomly picked. We don't mean you, Gary. <laughs> we just mean like the Gary that's the example Gary. Okay, yes. Whatever. Or, I don't know. How about Bartholomew? The, yeah. That's about as okay. random and, yeah. and off kilter as we're going to get. Bartholomew. Sorry, Sorry Bart. Sorry, Bart. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but there are... Gary's, there are Bart's, there are yeah. John, Joe, Jacob, Jingleheimer, Smiths <laughs> that will try and get in any new girl's pants and yeah. call it religion. Yeah. Nah. No. Don't allow that in your spaces. Don't allow that in your community. Call them out on it. Make it public. Make it rain with his name and his picture on all your sites. Because if you turn a blind eye, people are going to turn a blind eye when you even try to bring it up. Yeah. If you know John is going over and patting Sophie's back, and Sophie doesn't like to be touched, but she's too scared of John because John's six foot whatever, go over and say, hey, John, Sophie don't like that. Go away. Shoo. Shoo, shoo. It's very hard, I would say, from a facilitator standpoint. If mm-hmm. you are not trained as a facilitator, and I'm not saying that those of you who have not had formal facilitating trainers aren't good at what you do. What I'm saying is if you've not had facilitator training that puts you in those role play situations where you have to actually practice separating people, you have to practice conflict resolution, you have to practice intervening during a violent experience or whatever. If you've not had that training, it can be really intimidating. Oh, I know. It's still intimidating when I have to walk up to somebody and do that. And it's like that whole, okay, I have to do this far away. I have to scan them up and down, see what's going on. Mm -hmm. But that's training that I've had for multiple years. And I still sometimes I'm like, and But I always assess the situation. If you don't have that kind of training, that's when, as an organizer, you start asking your peers to help yeah. with that. Or you start seeking that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I was actually um, participating in, in events in 2013, 14, and 15 uh, with a wonderful uh, couple facilitators, Monique Darling and Peter Peterson, who travel the world mm-hmm. now and they teach Tantra. Um, and they host pujas all over the world. And if you want to know what that is, please Google it. So <laughs> Monique and Peter are fabulous human beings who, you know, Monique's backstory is very, very long and intricate. But she she started as a very young bride in Utah, married at a very early age with a couple of kids and, like, experienced a lot of abuse. And this is her story. And she's told many people for many years what her story is and how – Every event I've participated in that Monique has facilitated, she explains most of them start as cuddle parties. And the premise for a cuddle party is really the same premise as a ritual, as any sort of circle ceremony, where everyone sits on cushions on the floor. And she says, hi, my name is, you know, Naama, and I'm about to facilitate this. And let me talk to you a little bit about what is consent. How many people here really feel that they know exactly what consent is? And most people will not raise their hand. And that's the reality. 
mm-hmm. is that people really don't know what consent is and is not. And she'll say, okay, so here's what it is. And she'll give you an exercise. And this is a great one for you folks to do at home if you really want to start facilitating events and you don't feel confident and you don't feel safe and you don't have a buddy. Always have a facilitation buddy if you can. Maybe if you're a woman and you feel comfortable having a, a man be there to be your facilitation buddy or vice versa, whatever the energy is that works for you. But have a buddy. If you don't have a buddy, try this exercise when you begin a circle. People tend to start circle like zero to 60. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They'll cast within three seconds. You have a circle. Suddenly we're calling in the elements. Suddenly we're invoking the goddess and everyone's like, whoa. And now we're in circle. And there isn't necessarily a slow and steady progression. And by slow and steady, I mean 15 to 20 minutes to cast, 15 to 20 minutes to invoke the elements. Like people need to be able to switch from Babylon to the circle space. Mm-hmm. But as a facilitator, one of the best things I ever learned from Monique was, all right, I want you all to um, break up into small groups, like a group of three. And I would say to someone like Jara, I would say, hi, Jara, can I please have you empty your bank account so I can have all your money? No. And then I would say, uh, let's see here. Hey, Autumn, can I please have the keys to your car? No. And then you would ask me some random ass question. I don't know. Can I take your glasses and stomp on them? No. And so that's a that's a duh. That's mm-hmm. like, of course I'm going to say no, you can't mm-hmm. stop on my glasses. Of course I'm not going to let you empty my bank account. That's an easy no. Every time someone offers you an opportunity in ceremony, I would you like to call in the goddess? Would you like to draw down the moon? Would you like to call in east? Blah, blah, blah. All of those are offers. And you can always say no. No is a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. And when you say no to them, you're saying yes to yourself. Mm -hmm. No one had ever taught me that concept in my life. And when it came to the body, which is where you dive into cuddle parties, literally and figuratively, (laughs) pun intended. um, (laughs) But like when you dive into ceremony or cuddle party or red tent or whatever, it gets emotional and the energy peaks and there's a lot of stuff going on and people are trying to keep track of where they are and what they're feeling and all of that. And knowing that you've practiced your yeses and your noes, and if it's a yes, it's a yes. If it doesn't feel like a yes in your gut, then it's a no. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to feel obligated to give a maybe to make someone else feel better and not hurt their feelings. As a facilitator, I didn't understand the power of that yes, no, Mm -hmm. of what she calls the hell yes. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And being able to create a ritual space where your participants are given that spiel before you cast anything to know each of you is sovereign, each of you is shrine, each of you is sacred, each of you are stepping into this space as an embodiment of the goddess or the god, each of you is deity, each of you has the right to say, no, I do not accept your offer, I decline. Mm -hmm. And to know that that's a wonderful thing. You congratulate them and say, thank you for saying no. Next time I offer and you say yes, I will know that you really mean it. Mm-hmm. That is what consent is built on. Yeah. And that's what we don't have sometimes in ceremony and ritual space mm-hmm. because facilitators aren't taught how to facilitate that. And then you have sneaky ass creepers like Bartholomew that like <laughs> jump in and want to, you know, play on the fact that these young women are there seeking their, their soul, their spirit, mm-hmm. and they don't feel brave enough to say no. Mm-hmm. fuck that noise uh-uh. that's not okay let your yeses be yeses and let your noes be noes absolutely and let 
other people's nose be nose. Yeah. And for every gender out there, just because you say, yes, you may hold my hand. Yes, you may hug me. Yes, you may kiss me. Yes, you may touch me in this place. You may touch me in this place. Doesn't mean you don't, you can't say, no, you can't touch me here. No, we can't do that. No, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And that also means when that no, I'm done happens, you are done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Consent can be changed at any moment. Consent is a fluid thing that changes Mm -hmm. constantly. And just because they said, yes, you may hold my hand yesterday doesn't mean, yes, you may hold my hand today. Absolutely. I mean, I like to put it in not, I mean, obviously there's the the cup of tea Mm -hmm. Mimi that's floating on the internet that I love that's very British like consent Mm -hmm. metaphor with a cup of tea. But I actually like it, liken it to I pulled a muscle in my back. So what I mean, Jared's looking at me like, what the hell are you talking about? And Um, his mouth's full of water. It's even better. (laughs) It makes it better. But like if I'm making out with Autumn and we're having a great time. And it's amazing and wonderful. And and I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is great. I'm totally going to twist my back and look like I'm like the exorcist and my head spinning around because this is what's turning me on. At any given moment, I'm going to pull a muscle in my back and I'm going to say, nope, 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 I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And Autumn's not going to be like, no, let's keep going. I'll be like, no, my head's on backwards. It doesn't work that way. So it can be revoked at any time. And the other person has to be okay with that. You can offer assistance <laughs> with that muscle being torn, with the head being back. Like, can I do something to make it more comfortable? But if that answer is no, you you stop. Would you Would you like me to twist your head back the right direction? No, thanks. <laughs> no, I'm, I think I'm going to do it myself. All right. Okay. okay. Um, can do- you do it faster than you're doing it now? Because you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> you're you're on my leg still. Yeah, get, get off my leg. Get off my leg. Not get off on my leg. Get off my leg. Get off my ah! leg. <laughs> How can you still do that with your head on backwards? Oh, that must be a talent. On the other hand, though, as far as the pagan community goes, <laughs> I find it funny because we talk about things like we're so progressive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that makes us hypocrites sometimes. For a religion like any other. Mm. We're a religion that has problems like every other. Mm. Even though we have like 11 billion pathways. Don't let the Christians fool you. They do too. Mm-hmm. Um, so do Jews. So do Muslims. There's like a bajillion different threads and, and channels of every religion. But it just, it frustrates the hell out of me because all of this is founded again in the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And it's founded in the disempowerment of women mm-hmm. and the empowerment of men over women and the commoditization um, and it's it's just very strange to me because it's not working. It's not work, and it's it's so difficult. You know, like I've run into an actual person in an actual pagan group in the last two years at a public ritual. I will not name names because I do love this organization. They're fantastic and they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. But the leader of that group, who is awesome was aware that there was another guy who was present at this ritual who I couldn't stand. He made my skin crawl. And most men don't make my skin crawl. Most men make me go, oh, dude, really? Like, keep Mm -hmm. it in your pants. But this guy was was like, gave me like lizard skin. Like, he was so creepy. Like, I honestly could not be within 50 feet of him because he made my skin crawl Mm. and made me want to leave. I have a person I know that does that yep yeah and i i walked right up to the leader and i said hey dude you're awesome i love you i can't be around this guy and he's like which guy i'm like 
that one. And I basically gestured. He's like, oh, yeah, we know. Um, he's getting better. He's getting a lot better. He's, he's just, he's, he, we think that he's on the autism spectrum and that's where I stopped. Not an excuse. And I was like, you know what? I respect the fact that you're being kind and that you're trying to keep an open circle and you're trying to invite everyone and keep everything equal. But by you defending this person's behavior and defaulting to the fact that maybe it's because this person may be autistic, you are disempowering me. And you're favoring this other person. That's fucked up. You're also disrespecting people with autism. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an excuse. No. It can be an explanation for certain behavior. Yes. It's not an excuse. Might explain why certain behavior is a slower fix. Yeah. Totally. But if multiple women have approached you as a leader and said, dude, this guy is creepy as fuck. Mm -hmm. And he just... He stands too close. He gets in our space. He wants to reach out and make physical contact after we have verbally and physically shown him no. Mm -hmm. Why are you not taking action to say, I'm sorry, you need to leave? Mm -hmm. I don't. And maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know why, like, why a leader would say, no, I don't. I don't want to make the guy leave. That's me. Like, why? Why can't you just put your foot down? It drives me crazy. I know. I have the same struggle. No, I, I, I can kind of say it's and I, I, I hate to say it this way, but it's because it wasn't our idea. <laughs> OK, I mean, it, it, it's one of those. I, I, I can typically see a lot of guys trying to get the the whole that, that that's just who they are. That's just what they are. It's OK. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And no, it, it can't be that can't so where do you think that comes from that tolerance of people who create an environment of discomfort i don't know i i I really don't know i mean i guess trying to look out for others that are going to look out for us Mm. in the future Mm. or do you think that it stems from some sort of like belief that that's what a leader does is a leader includes all men because at least they're there. They're trying. They showed up. We should let them stay because they're trying. Like, I wonder if I mean, that's the notion behind it. I mean, that, that could be a big possibility. I don't, I don't know. know. Drives me batty. Yeah. I don't. I don't, I, I don't know. I will say um, real quick before we move on. Uh, I misspoke a second ago. I said that uh, autism might be a reason for a thing to be fixed slower. Uh, people with autism do not need to be fixed. That si- is not si- what situ- I meant. Situations. Behaviors could, need yeah. to be relearned yeah. or, or learned um, to fit what society is asking. Right. And nobody needs to f- be fixed. It, Y'all, Autumn's being adorable right now. Um, (laughs) I think bottom line is, I think that um, we need to do two things. I think that as a society and as a pagan society, we need to create a culture of uh, openness and belief where we believe survivors, whether whatever gender they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, statistically, it tends to be women. But if we create this culture of a woman approaches you and has the courage to say, oh, this actually happened to me the culture create that we create can say you know what enough said i believe you yeah end of story i believe you tell me the person's name 
Tell me what, what, what the date, time, location was. I need to know. I'm going to be there to witness you and to support you in whatever goal you want. Whatever goal you want. Mm-hmm. Whatever outcome you want. Not, I'm going to go save the day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go string this guy up from a tree or whatnot. No, 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 no. But like, I'm going to empower you to resolve this however you feel comfortable. And then simultaneously having incredible, strong, kind, loving men like Jira, like my fiance, like the people and men in our lives who are courageous enough to say, fuck this. We don't want this anymore. Yeah. And to live that and to be brave enough to say, dude, that's not okay. This is not how we do ceremony. You have to keep your hands to yourself. I need you to leave. Like those are courageous, scary things because by default they make us feel that we are being exclusionary, mm-hmm. that we are kicking someone out of the out group that we're already in by being pagans. We're already the misfits. We don't want to make someone leave. You're outcasting the outcast. Bingo. And we don't want to be the one to make somebody not have friends because they didn't have friends until they found us. And now we're their friends and we're their family and we don't want to kick them out, but we have to. Family don't do that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but family does. Yes. But That's the dark part about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I know. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to end this conversation here. If you have comments, questions, concerns, statements, um, need to be witnessed. Letters let to us, the editor. Letters to the letters editor. Letters to the editor. Um, we have a new email address that uh, you can still email us at millennialpeganpod at gmail.com, but you can also email us at peganpod dot mil- at millennialpegan dot life. Wait, wait, say that say again. Say that again. Sorry. Peganpod at millennialpegan dot life. Wait, take three. <laughs> peganpod at millennialpegan dot life. Okay. It'll You're be gonna on cut the website. The out, right? I, I might just leave those in there. <laughs> Go to the website. Yeah. Speaking of websites, um, we're <laughs> actually going to be taking a short break in December. Normal episode length is going to poof. But Patreon supporters, you will get a Patreon exclusive and possibly a Patreon exclusive Christmas present slash mm-hmm. Yule present slash Winter Solstice present slash slash cold time of the year present slash we disappeared in December. So here's a present because you give us money. Yes. They're going to stuff your stocking. Ooh, G- baby. Giggity. <laughs> she just she just jostled her own bosoms. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> They're not as vivacious as um, some others I've seen. <laughs> But they're yours. Yes. So, events coming up in the Paganverse. <laughs> Woo! The 21st is a full moon. So, the day that this episode comes out on your airstream is going to be a full moon. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. You're welcome. Uh, on the 27th, there's a couple of things going on. I personally will be at the Witch's Night Out Ball being done by Crescent Moon Emporium in Glendale. It is going to be at the Cedars. I've never been there, so I don't know. Jared, you're going to be somewhere on the 27th. 27th, 27th. What, what, what am I doing? I don't remember. You're doing something then. heathen, I believe. He slept since then. I've, I've slept since then. Ah! I'm going to be doing something on the 27th. Okay, what are you while, doing? While Jira pulls up his parent Faces directory. Um, so I'm going to be, at, I know, right? That's how my brain works, is parent directory with subfolders. Um, so I am going to be at Talking Stick Casino for my fourth year. I am a tarot reader for the Halloween Bash. It is a costume contest. Last year, I believe, don't quote me, was a $10,000 uh, prize for best costume. It was nuts. Um, and this is going to be my fourth year reading tarot there. 
Um, so I believe tickets are usually like between 25 and 50 or something and you get two drink tokens or whatever. Again, please don't quote me. Just go to the website for Talking Stick Casino and look for yourself. But I'm going to be there, so I will be happy to read your tarot. It's included as part of the entrance fee. Ooh. You get tarot, you get henna, you can get, I think they're doing palmistry this year, or tea leaves, stuff like that. So come join me, come find me. I have uh, business cards as well. First time ever I have business cards. <gasps> Yay. <laughs> We're getting business cards. I feel so official. I feel so official and professional. Um, no. uh, the, the, uh, Wait, where are you going? Well, the only thing I have on the 27th is the Dia de los Muertos uh, celebration. Ooh. You were going to a dinner. Uh, I was. Oh. But yeah, Dia, Dia de los Muertos celebration on the 27th at the Maze Arts Center. Yay. So, which, which is kind of near and dear to my heart, especially I'm trying to revisit my uh, Hispanic heritage and... Ooh. With the with, and I I just have to say with the movie Coco, mm-hmm. please 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 if you want to understand a little bit more, it it's a very brief overview on what Dia de los Muertos is, but the way that they handle it is very beautiful and yes it made me cry. Watch it, watch, watch it. it. It's so good it makes me cry every time I watch it. So after that, November. 3rd, Third is going to be the next time you can see Millennial Pagan Podcast out in the world. Woo! It's going to be Phoenix Pagan Pride. If you haven't heard us say it enough, November 3rd at Steel Indian School Park. Woo! I feel like a Muppet. <laughs> I am dancing like a Muppet. She kind of is. And on the th- uh, 4th, we got two things going on in the Phoenix world. Pagan Book Talk Phoenix Valley will be at Changing Hands at 10 a.m. Changing Hands Tempe. And also at the Irish Cultural Center will be the Grove of the Rising Phoenix is Samhain ritual. Just as a side note, from the 21st on, what is today? I don't even know what today is. Whatever day the full moon is, Mm -hmm. uh, full moon leading into Samhain um, and Dia de Muertos and everything that leads into it. For those of you that don't follow the skies, please don't take me as an authority, but I'm just letting you know in my experience and what the goddess is telling me now. Take full moon before Samhain to get your house in Oda. I mean that sincerely. Full moon is a moment where you've got this apex of energy where things can go really well or go really wonky. Take a moment, take a day, take an hour, take a shower or meditate or whatever you need to do to get in your body and take that full moon to get your house in order, get your finances in order, get your car in working order, get your home in order, get your relationship with self in order. Do what you need to do to get in order because you're going to have a downhill coming down off the full moon into Samhain and what's going to end up coming towards you is an ending of things. We're going to be ending the moon cycle, which means closing, which means a miniature death, which is appropriate for Samhain, for Halloween, for All Souls Day, for the Muertos. And you're going to be in that state of feeling like you are dying, like parts of your life are dying or a partner is leaving or you're moving to a new home or maybe you don't have a new home, or maybe, you know, this thing is leaving, or this thing is leaving, or this is ending. That's probably for the best. And that's not to say that it's not shitty and doesn't feel awful. But just keep in mind that that closing time of of the moon going into the new moon and leaving towards Samhain, this is the time when the veil is thin, and the dead will walk among us in spirit, and they will have messages of inspiration and hope and faith, and probably what's the word tough love Mm -hmm. for us. And it's really important to get your house in order by full moon if you want to have a smoother Samhain. And I'm saying this from personal experience. There's been many years where I ignored the moon cycle before Samhain. And then Samhain came and I had like 40 different spirits show up in my house that night and I got no sleep. (laughs) And it was like Grand Central Station in my house. 
And all of them wanted my attention and all of them were giving me advice and I couldn't keep up. And I felt drained and exhausted for three mm-hmm. days after. So just throwing that out there, take it with a grain of salt. This Patreon message is for Fred. Fred, thank you. Yes, thank you, Fred. Is Patreon worth it, Jarrah? Because you're staring at me waiting for me to say it. <laughs> I like every episode. Jarrah, is Patreon worth it? Yes, yes. Patreon is definitely worth it. It's not just an opportunity for you guys to help us out to bring a Millennial Pagan Podcast to many, many other people who might need to listen to it. But, of course, you guys get something in return for helping us out. Mm-hmm. You get, of course, the uh, we have the... Uh, personal thank you right here on the show we have our buttons and stickers that we're going to be getting some more of Woo! And, stickers. and of course that uh that uh monthly patreon exclusive mini-sode yep. that uh, you guys seem to love so much for those of you that are actually patreons so uh one thing i want to say to the people who have gotten their stickers could you um if you have an instagram send me a picture of where you put your stickers please i want to know i'm curious or just post it up and tag us that's true our facebook page is always open you can find our podcast on instagram like i just said facebook like we've already said twitter tweet tweet and patreon yep and the new website's coming soon coming soon that's going to be part of why we're going dark in december yes so just a heads up well it is winter it's dark time yeah i need a nap man Dude. So where can people find you on the interwebs? Oh, Lord. So you can find me at www.naamasegal.com, N-A-A-M-A-H-S-E-G-A-L.com. You can find me on Facebook. I will not add you as a friend because that's not how my Facebook page is set up, but you can message me. And if I like you, I will add you. And that's my prerogative. Um, I have a blog. It is thoughtsincarnate.wordpress.com. Um, that's where I put all of my writing, my social writing, my political commentary, all of that's on there. Uh, I have a Twitter. I don't remember what it is right now. I want to say it's naama.ashera. Um, that's my Twitter. And you can also find me on Insta. It's uh, naama.segal. And you can find me at Phoenix Pagan Pride Day, 2018, November 3rd. Yay! We're all Muppets! <laughs> and of course, you can find me at uh, Jarrah Stone on Twitter and uh haggard haggard cosplay on uh, instagram and uh yeah that's 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 me Woo! so awesome from everyone here at millennial pagan podcast merry meet merry part and, and merry meet, meet again, full of woo yeah <laughs> hey, it's not letting me stop